Please open your Bibles with me this morning to Acts chapter 2. It is my intention this morning to hit the reset button on what it means to be the church that belongs to Jesus Christ. Here at the beginning of this year, I think it's an appropriate time for us to hit the reset button. Because what can happen over the years is that we add things to the idea of the church that God never intended to be there. Activities and organizations and structures to the church that God never planned for and never instructed. And yet at the same time, it is easy for us through the years to become unbalanced about what the Lord wants His church to be. Where there's one particular aspect that we like and we emphasize, and the others we leave undone and unemphasized. And so this morning, I'd like to hit the reset button and go back to the beginning and let the Lord tell us what He intended His church to be. If you want to understand what it means to be a human, go back to Genesis chapter 2 where God teaches us His original purpose for humanity. If you want to understand what it means to be His church, go back to Acts chapter 2. And there you will see its pristine waters right from the beginning, what God intended His church to be. And there we let Him set the agenda for what we are to be and do. How do you evaluate a local church? I think in our culture, many people evaluate local churches on the basis of the size of the building or the look of the building. Some people judge a church based upon the excitement of its events. Some people look for a church that has a certain number of children in it or a certain number of single people or older people. Some people gauge the church by the songs that we sing. And can you imagine some people even gauge a church by the charm of the preacher? Thankfully, we don't do that. But one thing is for sure when it comes to how we evaluate the church. And that is, Jesus does not evaluate the church like we do. We see the glitz. God sees the guts. And sometimes we focus only on the grime when God in His grace focuses on the glory. I want us to adopt this morning Jesus' view of the church. One of the things becomes clear in the letters He wrote to the seven churches of Asia in the beginning of the book of Revelation is that He sees the church differently than we do. For example, He wrote to the church, in Sardis, who had a great reputation that they were a living church. They were alive. Things were exciting and moving there. And Jesus said, but I know your works and that you are dead. The church in Laodicea had a reputation that they were rich and in need of nothing. They were a church that had it all. I can imagine they had all of the kinds of workers and all of the great events that anybody would look for in a church. And Jesus looked at them and said, you don't even realize that you're spiritually destitute. You are poor and miserable and blind and naked. 
in my presence. On the other hand, Jesus would write to the church at Smyrna, a church that was poor, a church that was battered. And he would say, I've got a crown with your name on it. Jesus evaluates churches very differently than we do. We need his evaluation because our evaluation of the church is often wrong, fatally wrong. When you evaluate the church, when I evaluate the church, we need to take off our fleshly goggles that look only at numbers and notoriety. And we need to put on the eyes of a disciple of Jesus Christ who looks full into the eyes of a cross-carrying Christ and says, I want to go the way you want me to go. Because as Jesus says, there is no way unto the Father except by me. And the best way to do that is to look at how the early church was transformed by the message of the Gospel. We just finished studying uh, the book of Acts on Wednesday night as a church. And I've been so impressed by how the Gospel changed people's relationships. How it changed the way they viewed their possession and the use of their time and their affections. They were a changed people because they knew Jesus Christ as Lord. And that lifestyle is described in a condensed, concise way in Acts chapter 2. It is characterized by a lifestyle that is described as continual devotion. It's something they did on a daily basis. Verse 24, verse 42, and they devoted themselves. That was the characteristic of the church of Jesus Christ. They were people who were devoted, who did things continually on a daily basis. Being a disciple of God is not about a place or an event or an obligation. Some of us view the church that way, don't we? It's our obligation. There are some things that I do regularly that I, I do regularly, but I'm not committed to them. I'm not devoted to them. For example, I pay my electric bill regularly because I don't want the lights to go out at the house. But I'm not devoted to doing it. It's not my excitement. It's not my passion. It's not my commitment. And I think that some of us have the idea that the church is kind of like paying your electric bill. It's something you do regularly so that you keep your name in heaven. But it's not something we're devoted to. But notice as we read now from Acts chapter 2, the kind of things that the early church was devoted to. Verse 42, And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to the prayers. And all came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, 
attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes. They received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. These people, saved by the grace of Jesus Christ, the very people who had a role in the crucifixion of Jesus that we just talked about. The Apostle Paul offered the grace of Jesus, saying, if you will repent and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ, you will be saved and you will have the gift of the Holy Spirit. And with many words, he urged them, to be saved from their wicked and twisted generation. And that day, 3,000 souls were baptized into Jesus Christ. And that day, that church, a living church, a saved-by-grace church, was a church that was characterized by the things that God intended for them to be and do. And what did that begin with? Notice the first devotion that they had was a devotion, a passion, let me say, for the apostles' teaching. When you have been saved by the grace of Jesus, you want to listen to that Jesus. Jesus said to His disciples in Matthew chapter 28, Go make disciples by baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. There's the grace. There's salvation. And then teach them to obey everything that I have commanded. Jesus in the Great Commission tells us the importance of being devoted to the words that He has given. And the early church was devoted to listening to the words of Jesus. After all, what we believe determines how we behave. And that's why what we believe matters. Is because it affects how we behave. But even more importantly than that, what we believe determines what we become, what we look like. And when we listen to Jesus and we're devoted to the words of Jesus, we begin to look like Jesus. What I did this week, looking through the book of Acts, trying to see how did the early church devote themselves to the message of the gospel? I found that they did a number of things. For example, in our text, verse 46, every day they got together in the temple to talk. Every day they got together in the temple to listen to what the apostles had to say. In other places, in Acts chapter 19, they begged the apostle Paul to stay in Ephesus so that they could listen to him every day teach in the school of Tyrannus. Probably this is a hall that was used in the morning and the evenings when it was cool enough to be used. And they believe most likely that the early church had access to the hall in the afternoon because that's when it was so hot nobody else wanted to be there. And here they were there every day to listen to the message of the Gospel. There's no doubt why The church grew from Ephesus to then spread throughout all Asia because people were hungry to hear the Word. In another place, the church at Troas asked the Apostle Paul, stay with us and keep preaching. Yes, it's midnight, but we want to hear more. Yes, one of our members just died and he was raised, but we want to hear what Jesus has to say. Most impressive to me, the Apostle Paul 
in Acts 20 described the way that he ministered in, in local cities when he told the church at Ephesus this. In Acts 20 and verse 20, he said, I did not shrink from declaring to you anything that was profitable and teaching you in public and from house to house. I did not shrink from declaring to you the whole counsel of God. May I recommend for us, church, as we center ourselves on being a church of Jesus Christ this year, that we develop a deeper hunger to listen to Jesus. Every spiritual revival in the Bible began with His people having a new appetite for the Word of God. Read how Israel tore themselves away from their idols only when they began to listen more carefully to the Word of God. They would read it. They would tremble before it. They would tear their clothes and they would change their lives. And yet, may I suggest to us, that what we have in the Gospel of Jesus Christ is a greater message than Israel ever heard from one of their prophets. And how much deeper devotion should we have from it? Now, I get it. As a preacher, I get it. It is easier to tell stories and to be funny because those kind of things appeal to people. I get it. I feel the pressure to be brief and to be pleasant. But I also know that disciples of Jesus Christ are those who have their hearts set aflame by Scripture. That the disciples of Jesus Christ are those who demand a careful explanation of what the text says. And then they ask to have it done all over again. The lack of a hunger for God's Word is a sign of death in a body. And it doesn't matter how active that body is or how many people are there or how many activities there are. If we don't have a hunger for the Word, we're dying. The Hebrew writer talking about, as our brother made reference to the writer of Hebrews in the call to worship, he was speaking to people who had been believers all their lives, but they were wandering away from God. And one of the signs was Romans, uh, Hebrews chapter 5 and verse 11, you have become dull of hearing. I can't even talk to you about the priesthood of Jesus Christ because it would put you to sleep. You become dull of hearing and by this time you ought to be the teachers. And yet you'd Need someone to teach you again, all over again, the fundamental principles of the gospel. One of the signs that they were drifting away from God was that they had lost their hunger for His Word. May I ask you, where are you at in that? Where are we at in that? Do we have a passionate desire to reason from the Scriptures? But then I notice in Acts chapter 2, that they were also a people who were devoted to the people of Jesus. They were devoted to the fellowship. This is a fight in our culture because our culture treats Christianity a little bit like going on an airplane trip where you get in a fuselage 
with a group of people. You all look forward. But there's really no commitment or concern for the people who are next to you. And that was never God's design for the church. He has made us His sons and daughters, brothers and sisters of one another, so that we could have a commitment to one another as a family. Where we gather around a table and we have a common interest and have a desire for mutual support. Jesus, on one occasion, was in a room and it was so full of people and they came in and said, hey, your, your family's outside. And He took the opportunity to teach a powerful lesson. In Matthew chapter 12, verse 49, He stretched out His hand towards His disciples and said, here is My mother and My brothers Whoever does the will of my Father in heaven is my brother and sister and my mother. Jesus redefined family for us. That the church is about a people who are committed to the other people of Jesus Christ. Let me put it as clearly as I know how. Jesus loved us so much. He gave His life for us. And He calls us to do the same. He says, by this, all men will know that you're my disciples if you love one another as I have loved you. That's hitting a reset on the church. Being the church is to love each other as much as Jesus loved us. How are we doing? Is that our devotion? The church is to be a dynamic fellowship that shows the world grace in action. In fact, what I found in the book of Acts is the way that they demonstrated their devotion to fellowship wasn't so much about throwing uh, Super Bowl parties, which is great. I'd love to come. Let me know where it is, okay? But the way that they demonstrated devotion to fellowship was by a commitment to people who were very different than they were. And a devotion to people who were sometimes very difficult to fellowship. And the local church, as they sat on pews like this with Jews and Gentiles sitting next to one another and slaves and free people over there, and there's folks over there who are barbarians, they hardly even speak the language of Rome, and there's people over there who are uptight, fancy dressed Romans and they're all sitting together and they're singing with one voice. We are saved by the grace of God and it was a demonstration to the world that we are a people saved by grace who treat one another by grace. That's devotion to the fellowship. What a sad commentary when we look at one another and say, well, you rubbed me up a little wrong way. Good luck talking to you for a while. Devotion to the fellowship is to treat one another in the way that God has treated us. But here's our problem, isn't it, my friends? In our culture, we are so consumed with our own self in the way that we use our time and our energy and our money that by the end of the week, we don't have enough time or energy or care to care about anybody else 
other than herself. But people who are devoted to the Lord, who are disciples of Jesus, have learned to reorient their lives, to be concerned and to direct their attention and their possessions and their affections toward the people that Jesus has saved by grace. What does it mean to be the church? It means you're devoted to hearing the word of God. It means you're devoted to the people of God. Not because they're good, not because they're perfect or pretty or easy, but because Jesus saved them. And then to be the people of God, Acts chapter 2, they were a people devoted to worship. They devoted themselves to the breaking of bread and to the prayer. Uh, Luke uses the word the twice there. The breaking of bread, the prayer. Likely speaking of the Lord's Supper, the breaking of bread, which we've just done. And times in which they came together to devote themselves for the purpose of praying together to God. The early church was characterized by worshiping the Lord. Did you notice that in the text? They worshiped God daily. They did it publicly in the temple. They did it privately in their homes. They were known as praising God before all of the people. There it says in verse 47, they praised God. They were a church that was known for praising the Lord. And may I suggest that without knowing the word of the Lord and without being around the people of the Lord, worshiping the Lord is something that is going to be dry. It's not going to be, have much content. In fact, back to the Hebrew writer. He tells us that one of the ways to know that you have lost your passion for God is by looking at the way you treat worship. In fact, it's right before the section of Hebrews chapter 10 when he talks about being not just wandering away from God, but treating the sacrifice of Jesus Christ as though it's nothing. How does, how does that happen? How do you have the most significant event in all history, in all of eternity, and treat it as nothing? It's seen in the way that you worship. And so Acts chapter 10 and verse 24, he writes, Let us consider how to stir one another up to love and good works, not neglecting meeting together as some in the habit are doing, but encourage one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. One of the signs that they were spiritually weak, that they were growing dull, that they had quit being the church of Jesus Christ is seen in the way that they worshiped. Disciples of Jesus never treat worship as a responsibility to fulfill. For us, worship is a wonderful opportunity to express what we've come to learn about Jesus. Worship is an opportunity that we reflect upon Jesus and through worship be conformed to the character of Jesus and give Him the thanks that He deserves. Did you notice that every time heaven is described in the Bible, it is surrounded, the throne of God is surrounded by what? Worship. 
every time God in all of His glory is seen, heaven is surrounding Him with worship. Why? Because worship is heavenly. And people who have lost their passion for worship are earthly. One of the things that characterizes the church of Jesus Christ is they are a people who love to worship. And in Acts chapter 2, when you've got a group of people saved by the grace of Jesus Christ, who are devoted to the Word of Jesus Christ, who have a passion for the people of Jesus Christ, and worshiping Jesus Christ, that is a group, of, that, is a group that God can entrust a great work to. And that is sharing the salvation of Jesus Christ with the lost and dying world. These are the people that have successfully rooted out selfishness and have learned to be some servants for the good of someone other than themselves. And so verse 47 says, The Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. How did that happen? It's because what you come to know about Jesus and experience in the fellowship of Jesus and to express in the worship of Jesus, you just want to share with someone else. And in the book of Acts, may I suggest to you that this work was so important, it was too important to be left to a few paid professionals. That's not how it goes. That the church of Jesus Christ is a group of people who have been saved by Christ and have known, therefore, what it is to live in Christ, and they want to share that with other people. And the book of Acts is truly the story of thousands of believers who went everywhere preaching the Word. I love what it says about the church in Thessalonica, 1 Thessalonians 1 and verse 8. Paul writes to the church, From you... The word the Lord has sounded forth, not only in Macedonia and Achaia, but in every place. From you, the word of the Lord has sounded forth. That's more than an event, isn't it? It's more than a name on a roll. Those are people who come to know Jesus and want to share Jesus. Well, how do we evaluate a local church? At the end of the day, our evaluations of the church do not matter. And most of the time, the way we evaluate a local church is wrong. You don't, I, you don't evaluate a church just based upon its size or its convenience to me or its fun. A church that belongs to Jesus Christ, as He defined it and explained it to us, is a church that's devoted to His Word, devoted to His people, devoted to His worship, who then share the story of salvation with someone else. Now, as we hit the reset button at the beginning of this year, can I ask you, where do you need to rebalance your discipleship? Where do you need to rebalance what you understand the church to be? Do you need to give more devotion to the Word than you have? How is your devotion to 
the other brothers and sisters in this family? How passionate are you about worship? Or you just show up just as least as you can? And how have you been sharing what you know with somebody else? We need to hit the reset button on what it means to be the church and help ask God, God, we don't want to be a church that looks like our world. I don't want a church that looks like me. We're all lost and dying. I want a church that looks like Jesus because that's the only church that's eternal. Let's pray together. Our Father, we thank you for saving us by your grace, forgiving us of our sins, and giving us such a great mission and purpose in this world. And I pray, Father, that you would etch deep upon the minds and hearts of each of us here today, your saved by grace family, to have a deeper passion for your word. Help us, Father, to enlarge our appetite, to expand our attention, to deepen our desire to hear you and your values and to see your glory and goodness and grace. Help us, Father, to love each other even when it is difficult to do so. Father, help us be more passionate in our worship. Lord, devoted, not just to the attendance of an hour, but to every opportunity we have to express our gratitude for you and to learn more about you. May it become our daily practice. And we pray, Father, for doors of opportunity to be opened so that this year would be a new year for some soul to find eternal life through the gracious work of your son, Jesus Christ. We want to be your church, Father. Help us do so. In the name of your Son, our Savior, we pray. Amen. If you need to respond to the gospel, please do as we stand and sing.